listening to Proof Text, a Glossa House podcast by Dr. T. Michael W. Halcom, Dr. Frederick J. Long, Dr. Mario Melendez, Dr. Jennifer Noonan, and J. M. Smith. Welcome and enjoy. Greeting, friends, and welcome back to What's in the Name. Um, we're walking through different biblical books that uh, have a name ascribed to it as a title. Uh, the name that we're hitting today is Esther. Esther. We're still in the Persian Babylonian period, of course, if you know the story. Um, and I want to begin kind of sort of like uh, we did with Samuel and say there's debate in regards to uh, the etymology of Esther's name. So I want to give you a few options, and then I want to tell you which one I prefer and why, because I think it really helps the story because, yeah, let's hit, let's hit the options of the etymology. Number one. Um, Esther's name is not actually her original given name. We see that her uncle Mordecai um, uh, suggests that she hide herself and suggests that she has a different name, and she's called Esther. Um, Her actual Hebrew name that we see at the beginning of the story of the book of Esther is Hadassah. Hadassah, which uh, means myrtle tree, okay? Um, it's really strange. Why would you name somebody Myrtle Tree? Well, that's kind of sort of akin to us in the States naming a little girl Rose or Lily or uh, any of the Daisy or Pansy, any of those uh, fun names that we have for little girls and ladies. Um, in the ancient Near East, hey, Myrtle Tree, why not? That apparently was a, a beautiful name for a lady at that time. But the name was really um, very connected to Judaism, um, being Jewish. And, uh, of course, we know the story that the king is actually hosting and playing uh, The Bachelor, for lack of better terms. And so he has all these ladies brought in, and he's going through the rigmarole and handing out roses and uh, determining who's going to make it into the next round of The Bachelor. Well, she's hiding her name and her ethnicity by having a different name ascribed to her. The name ascribed to her is Esther. Now, let, let's consider the different options, etymologically speaking. Number one, um, potentially in Persian, Esther means star. Um, number two option, Esther could be a mispronunciation of the Persian goddess named Ishtar. Ishtar, okay? Uh, option number three is actually a Hebrew option, which, by the way, is the one that I prefer, which is uh, it actually means to hide or conceal. Um, how do you get that, Mario? Well, we have a three, all verbs in Hebrew for the, I think all verbs in Hebrew are three letters. Um, and the last three letters of Esther, um, the, the star there at the end means to hide in Hebrew. Um, Ishtar could be, uh, an imperfect form of I will hide. Okay. Um, and so I, I, I rather like that last option, etymologically speaking, of Esther's name. Uh, Again, because I don't know a name in the Bible that is not poignant to their story or ironic to their story, right? And we see star is to uh, be hidden or concealed. And we see Mordecai suggesting to her uh, in the story, conceal your, your identity, conceal your Jewishness, conceal your ethnicity. Um, there's a lot of debate as to why that might be the case. Um, I, I would encourage you some of the best writings that I've read on the debate in regards to why Mordecai would tell her to hide her name actually come from rabbinical writings. Um, and one of the writings that I, I recall off the top of my head reading, uh, at Jerusalem university there was, 
the idea that if if her uh, royal dynastic line, uh, Jewish wise, was made known, she would uh, not have a choice, but you know she'd be forced into uh, this marriage. Whereas providentially, the Lord still led her into this marriage. So I don't know that may or may not be right um, in regards to her hiding her identity. So Esther, she clearly hides her identity. Um, she doesn't speak of it. She hides her family background. Uh, in fact, it says that Mordecai comes by and, and views her from a distance, and and they they kind of don't interact with one another. He could be cousin, uncle, that type of a thing. Uh, regardless, they they act as they don't know each other. But then Esther chapter eight, in Esther chapter eight, finally King Xerxes. Uh, um, it, it is dealing with the Haman, uh, uh, the Agagite issue, right? Uh, and, and Esther comes before Xerxes and, and finally declares that I am kin to Mordecai. And in fact, uh, finally declares also I'm Jewish. So please don't let Haman's uh, um, eradication uh, desire come forth because that would include me, your beloved one. Esther conceals her identity um, by the, the testimony of her uncle-cousin friend, right, Mordecai. But providentially, her hiding it allowed it to then bloom at the right appropriate time in the story. I don't think that there's much irony um, with Esther's name in the story, but rather I think it's poignant. Her name means that she was hidden until the right appropriate time. So step three, how does this help us theologically speaking? How does this help us theologically speaking? Um, if we were to go to the New Testament as Christians, um, if you were to run a search for hidden, um, one of the things that's going to pop up very quickly in your search of, for the word hidden in the New Testament is the parables of Jesus. Um, the, the parables of Jesus often talk about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is um, hidden. Uh, it, it's not yet. It's uh, As uh, us Reformed theology folk like to say, it's the already but not yet paradigm. Um, and so uh, it's, it's, it's hidden, but it will be found. It, it's so, for instance, like the one man who finds the, the great treasure, he hides it in the field, he purchases the field, then he brings it out. That's the kingdom of God, Jesus says. Another one that I rather think fits really well, parable-wise, with the story of Esther is if you were to go over to Luke chapter 13. Luke 13, um, Jesus is there and he's talking about the kingdom of God. Um, and he talks about the mustard seed, right? Uh, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It's a tiny little grain, which if you've ever eaten stone ground mustard, you know how small a mustard seed is, but yet it grows into a large tree. Uh, the second end of that parable is also, and what else can I compare the kingdom of God to? This is uh, uh, Luke 13, verse 20. Let me compare it then to yeast. Yeast that a woman took, mixed into 50 pounds of flour, and spread it through in the entire mixture until it was time to bloom. Um, I, I rather like that one translation. Mix it in until its time had come about. It, it rose, right? Anybody that's ever baked bread knows you mix in the yeast and you stick it into a moist place and that bread dough will just double, if not triple in size and you get that fluffy uh, challah or lunch bread, whatever you're baking. Oh, it's so great. How's this like Esther? Here you go. The kingdom of God is at work in us. I think Jesus makes that really clear with the parables. The kingdom of God is at work here in uh, the creation. 
that's at work here on the globe. Is it easy to see? Not always. Um, we've seen some really interesting things in recent, for instance, the Asbury Revival and other things of that sort, where we got a glimpse of the kingdom of God more uh, clearly than at other times. But I think like Hadassah, like Esther's story of star to conceal, the kingdom of God is concealed within us so that we might be able to live in the world, work in the world, not be of the world, as Jesus said, but then when it's appropriate, reveal the Christ. I would encourage you, let the story of Esther come to your life. Um, I was trained uh, by Independent Fundamental Baptists back in the day, and uh, they were very brash with how they did uh, evangelism. I mean, they just beat people over the head with it. But I can tell you, I've led more people to the Lord by getting to know them as a friend, and then when the time is right, speaking up the truth. Just as Mordecai tells Esther, for such a time as this, you've been appointed. So hear me now as we consider in the name Esther in light of her story and our story. For such a time as this, the gospel is concealed in your life. Live it and speak of it whenever the Holy Spirit inspires you to produce gospel truth and evangelize your friends, neighbors, and co-workers. This is What's in the Name with Esther. I hope to see you in the next episode. Bye now. Interested in growing your ancient language skills but not sure where to start? Glow's House can help. From illustrated readers and short stories to lexicons and grammars, Glow's House offers a variety of resources for beginning, intermediate, and experienced ancient language learners. Head to glow'sahouse.com today. Glow's House, language resources for the global community.